0: Hello, and welcome to Words on Film, the spoken word podcast dedicated to moving pictures. I'm Dan Burke, your host and movie critic, and I'm here to tell you exactly what I think of some of the latest movies out right now. For this show, I have two brand new movies to review for you, and one that isn't quite brand new. Actually, it came out in 2021 elsewhere in the world, but it actually came out this month in the United States and it's been out in theaters for a little while, but it was only now that I was able to review it. So I'll review that later on, but let me review the newest movie that's out in theaters right now that I've actually seen. I think I explained last week that yes, the Down Abbey movie is out in theaters right now, but I didn't see it because first of all. I wasn't very big on watching the show, and secondly, I have a rule with sequels where I have to see the original before I see the sequel, and because I did not see the original Downton Abbey movie, I didn't even bother seeing the sequel this past weekend, but I did see the first movie I'm going to be reviewing for you, which is called Men. This is the latest from director and writer Alex Garland. And Alex Garland, you may not necessarily recognize his name, at least not for now, but he is a British director who has previously brought us as a writer and a director the movies Ex Machina, which was the debut or rather the breakthrough performance of Alicia Vikander and Annihilation, which had a much more auspicious and well-known cast and Ex Machina came out in 2014, Annihilation came out in 2018, and in between directing Annihilation and Men, Alex Garland directed a miniseries that was called Devs, which I honestly haven't seen. So this is Alex Garland's third film as a director, and he wrote both the story and the screenplay for this movie, and Ex Machina is a film that is weird in a lot of parts, But it certainly makes a lot of sense. Annihilation was just stepping more into the bonkers uh, boundaries, but it ended up telling a really good story in and of that. And it's one of those films that I didn't quite connect with when I first saw it, but after a little while, it kind of grew on me. I really appreciated the movie's originality as well as the statement you could extrapolate from the movie. And I got to say the same thing about the movie Men. Men is a film that is even more bonkers than Annihilation, but it's a film that's kind of grown on me. Granted, it's not for everyone. It is a drama, horror, sci-fi movie, and some people who are going to see this are going to hate it. But with an open mind, I think you'll see definitely some beauty in a lot of the ugliness that is evident in this film. So the movie is about a young woman, and the name of the young woman is Harper, and she's played by Irish actress Jessie Buckley, and she goes on a solo vacation to the English countryside. I think she rents, uh, by way of Airbnb, this, this manor that's about as old, if not older, than William Shakespeare, literally. But it still has electricity and all that, but it is a very, very old building. But anyway... She goes there following the suicide of her soon-to-be ex-husband. In fact, this man would have been her ex-husband if they had actually gotten divorced. But the husband actually kills himself when Harper proposes that they get a divorce. And that is actually one of the most poignant and hardest scenes to watch in this movie. And that's saying a lot, considering this is a horror film. Uh, But yeah, when you actually see the two of them, uh, the actors, Jesse Buckley and Papa Isidu, sit down and talk about getting divorced, it's a really hard scene to watch. And it's not just because the character of Harper's husband, played by Papa Isidu, takes it so bad and even threatens to kill himself. Divorce is just a really hard thing to depict on screen. And, Alex Garland does that really well, not to mention the actors, but Alex Garland wrote the scene really well. I don't know if it's necessarily based on anything he's experienced, but I don't think it really matters because the the scene is written incredibly well, but things really start to get weird when Harper moves into this English countryside manor for an indeterminate amount of time. And... The manor has electricity, it has relatively reliable Wi-Fi so that she can talk to her best friend Riley, who's played by Gail Rankin, who, interestingly enough, is an American who lives in England. Not exactly an explanation right there, but she's a good friend, so at least there's that. But anyway, uh, the the movie gets really weird when there is uh, the the landlord of the manor, whose name is Jeffrey, and he's played by Rory Kinnear. And he seems like a well-meaning chap, but he also has his eccentricities as well. I think he's overly polite to a fault. But things get really, really weird when Harper goes on a walk in the countryside and she finds somebody that is following her. And not only is this guy really creepy, he's also buck naked. And yeah, you see the uh, full frontal nudity, and it is even more disturbing. And eventually, it gets to the point where this weird naked man is following and stalking Harper for no apparent reason. That's where it gets scary, but that's not exactly where it gets really, really weird. Just when you think things are starting to get weird in the film, the movie just takes another step into the weird zone and to tell you any more about this film as well as some of the men with whom Harper interacts is going to ruin the film for you. It's 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 not just a movie, it is an experience. And a lot of times it feels like a really bad trip. But with that said, even though I didn't like men as much as I liked Ex Machina or Annihilation, I have to give this movie a lot of credit for its originality as well as its ability to set up such a straught atmosphere. And you really feel for Jesse Buckley who is in the middle of what looks to be a nightmare from which she can't exactly seem to awaken. And Jesse Buckley has been in these kinds of movies before. The one movie that I remember her being In which seemed to be a really bad dream, is a movie that came out on Netflix in September of 2020 that was called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Very much like the movie Men, I'm Thinking of Ending Things feels like one elaborate, long, bad dream. But whereas I'm Thinking of Ending Things was kind of like a bad, weird dream, Men is a long, bad nightmare, really bad, especially when all the men with whom she interacts in this English countryside all appear to have one thing in common, and it's not just that they're all strange. Uh, They have another connection, too, which I won't exactly give away. But I really, after walking out of this film, I could appreciate some of the themes you can extrapolate from this movie, like the theme of grief and isolation that are metastasized into some of these supporting characters. And I enjoyed it as a result. Of course, I walked out of the film thinking to myself, what the hell did I just see? And I even spoke to somebody I don't know who is in the theater with me. And I even said to them, What the hell did we just see? Because I needed to talk to somebody about this film. A lot of times I'm okay with just getting in here, turning on my microphone and telling you all about a movie I just saw. But sometimes a movie can be so damn weird. I got to talk to a human being about it, not just a microphone. I felt that way about Hereditary, which came out three years ago. And I feel that way about men as well. Also, I mentioned, uh, Rory Kinnear in this film who plays the eccentric, uh, caretaker Jeffrey, and he really shows his acting range in this film as well. Of course, Jesse Buckley is a good, um, moral anchor, a uh, moral and of course, cognizant anchor as well. But Rory Kinnear really shows his range as an actor in the part that he plays and he is an actor who has been in a number of uh, films. He, he's not exactly a household name, but he comes from a long lineage of actors. As a matter of fact, his father, Roy Kinnear, is best known to American audiences for having played the devoted and doubting-to-a-fault father of Veruca Salt in 1971's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and that's just one of his screen credits. And Rory Kinnear is not particularly well-known to American audiences. I'm sure he's more well-known to British audiences, but he's still been in some auspicious films like The Imitation Game and two of the uh, James Bond films uh, starring Daniel Craig, Quantum of Solace and Skyfall, just to name a few. But I think this is probably his breakout role in an American film. So Men is weird, but I really liked it and I give it my rating of a knockout because this is a film that will not be for everyone, but I, it does not feel like one of those movies that the studios I- interfered with and just added something for the the sake of the audiences who might be turned off by it. it. In that way, it resembles a film by Stanley Kubrick or Lars von Trier, who are directors who had create a full creative artistic control. And I feel like uh, I may be wrong, but I feel like Alex Garland somehow created that artistic control as well. And this movie is ugly in a lot of parts, but it's a movie that is ambitious and not afraid of, to make you feel uncomfortable, but it's not just for the sake of being uncomfortable, which is why I recommend Men because I think it's an excellent film, but I will concede again, this is a film that is not for everyone. (laughs) Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. The next movie I'm going to be reviewing for you is Chippendale Rescue Rangers. And this is very much based on the TV show that premiered in 1988 first on the Disney Channel and then in syndication on the Disney Afternoon lineup. And it was on from 1988 to 1990. It didn't last very long, only about three seasons, but reruns aired for several years after that. And it took the characters of Chippendale, who are chipmunks that were created by the Disney Company, and first premiered in 1943, but had not been up to that point in a short cartoon since 1956, although they did make appearances in some Disney shorts like Mickey's Christmas Carol, for example, but Chippendale Rescue Rangers reintroduced Chippendale to a new audience. And since Chippendale Rescue Rangers has been canceled, I think it's one of those shows that Millennials remember very well, particularly uh, younger millennials, but Generation Z probably doesn't. But then again, Chippendale Rescue Rangers has been released on DVD in its entirety, and it is available to stream on Disney Plus, the TV show is. So Millennials, or rather Generation Z might be familiar with it, but the movie Chippendale Rescue Rangers, which is available only for streaming on Disney Plus is certainly an exercise in nostalgia. It is directed by Avika Schaefer, who used to write for Saturday Night Live and also was part of the comedy trio Lonely Island along with Andy Samberg. And he has directed a few films, actually. He's directed several uh, episodes of SNL as well as uh, some... Episodes of Brooklyn 99, and other shows that are loosely related to uh, SNL. But amongst the movies he's directed have included. <laughs> Actually, I'm trying to get through the list of TV shows here. He has directed the movie The Watch with Ben Stiller and Vince Vaughn, he directed Pop Star Never Stop, Never Stopping which was a parody of the music industry, and it had some moments of brilliance, but overall wasn't that great a movie, but Chippendale Rescue Rangers might be the best film he's directed to date. It has some problems, but I did appreciate it for its ambition, but it didn't quite reach the same level of some other movies that I might mention, but anyway. I'm just going to tell you the synopsis of the of the film. It takes place in Los Angeles, and it takes place in a similar L.A. to Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where cartoon characters and live-action people coincide in the same universe, and the live-action people don't give it a second thought. In fact, there seem to be equally as many animated characters as there are live-action people in this L.A., Which makes it seem like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but, well, for for reasons I'll get into in a little while, it doesn't quite reach the quality of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But, 30 years after their popular television show ended, Chipmunks' Chip and Dale live very different lives. Uh, Chip is an insurance salesman, and Dale is living off the fame that Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers brought, brought him. And when a cast member from the original series mysteriously disappears, the pair must reunite to save their friend. And from there, it becomes a buddy comedy. And there's really nothing wrong with that. There is a certain formula to these uh, buddy comedies. But in this movie, um, Chip is voiced by John Mullaney and Dale is voiced by Andy Samberg, the SNL and Lonely Island alum. And unlike in the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie, where Alvin and the Chipmunks and the Chipettes were voiced by well-known actors, but you wouldn't know who they were because their voices were so sped up, here John Mulaney and Andy Sandberg voiced Chippendale in their own non-sped up voices. And I'm not exactly sure if that worked for these characters. As a matter of fact, for a Disney movie, I was actually very disappointed that sometimes... John Mullaney and Andy Sandberg's voices didn't exactly sync with Chip and Dale's um lips moving. And I guess 9 times out of 10 they did, but there were times where there were there were close-ups of the characters of Chip and Dale and they didn't their, their voices didn't match their lip movement and that was disappointing. And I also thought that the plot of or the the subplot of Chip and Dale being former actors, who one of whom is reluctant to get back into the business. I thought that was a little too reminiscent of Looney Tunes back in action. And I also thought that maybe Disney hired the non-sped-up voices of John Mulaney and Andy Sandberg based on the movie Pokemon Detective Pikachu, where Ryan Reynolds provided his own non-sped-up voice for... The character of Pikachu. I really hope that Disney did not try to emulate Pokemon Detective Pikachu because that movie was bad, and it was largely because of Ryan Reynolds. And I really, actually, would have preferred if Chip and Dale did have their sped-up voices. There was also an, an appearance in this movie by the Fly Zipper, and when he's given a chance to speak, he's actually voiced by Dennis Haysbert, which was kind of funny, but I just, again, I, I, I would have preferred it if, well, actually I would have preferred if Chippendale Rescue Rangers had actually been a show based on the, or rather a movie based on the show rather than a movie about out of work actors who are trying to solve a mystery in modern day LA. And I feel like this movie had the right idea in a lot of instances but I think sometimes the the movie deviated off course when it became a mystery and the movie kind of followed the paint-by-numbers mystery plots and also pointed out how cliche these parts were. Like, for instance, there's a certain twist in the movie and the character says, oh, I bet you didn't see this twist coming. And, and another character says, oh, come on, that's typical of mysteries. And I really wish the movie hadn't been so self-aware. I really hate it when a movie tries to tell me what kind of movie it's not. I mean, just tell the story. That was my issue with it. But as for the animation, I actually did think that the movie synced in very well, or the animation synced in very well with the live-action characters, particularly when Chip and Dale... um, have a confidant in in an LAPD detective named Ellie, who's played in live action by Kiki Lane, who's been in a number of movies, including If Beale Street Could Talk, for example. And there are other instances where the movie was on the right track. And I also really liked when Chip and Dale find themselves coming to a place they call the Valley, but it's not the San Fernando Valley. It's the Uncanny Valley. And if you know anything about animation, you know what the Uncanny Valley is. And if you don't, think of the movie Cats. In fact, there is a very uh, clever reference to the 2019 flop where they hear a cat screeching in an alleyway and then they the camera closes in on the cats and it turns out to be actors who look like the actors from the movie Cats. And when I saw this, my heart jumped because I don't want to go back to that film, but I did think I, I did like how the movie incorporated this really creepy animation into its subplot. I just think sometimes it was appropriately self-aware, sometimes it wasn't. sometimes the animation flowed very well with the live action. sometimes it didn't. and th- the only reason this movie falls short, from being as good as Who Framed Roger Rabbit is the fact that it was too self-referential. It winked and nodded. It had the characters wink and nod to the camera proverbially a little too much. And I thought that they could have actually developed some more of these uh, cartoon characters into better characters. But Chippendale Rescue Rangers could have been a huge miss, but it hit a lot more than it missed. And I do have to say when it comes to live action animation hybrids, Chippendale Rescue Rangers was a lot better than Space Jam A New Legacy, a movie that came out last year that many consider one of the worst films of the year. I don't, I thought it was okay, but I still think Chippendale Rescue Rangers gradually missed or very moderately missed greatness which is why I give it my rating of a high checkout. I think the animation live action worked except when it didn't. I think that the mystery worked pretty well except when it didn't. And when I heard that a Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie was being made, I wanted it to be about Chippendale, Monterey Jack, Gadget, Zipper, actually getting together and solving a crime, not about has been actors who happen to be animated. I think there's a kind of movie for that. I think it worked in Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Looney Tunes back in action, even though the latter film flopped. But Chippendale Rescue Rangers could have been better, but I wasn't entirely disappointed by the film. I just think a Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie based on the TV show would have been a better film in the grand scheme of things. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. The next movie I'm going to be reviewing for you is titled Happening. That's its English title. It has a. It's a French movie, so it has a French title, which is, and forgive me for mispronouncing this because I did not take French in high school, Le Venement. If it's wrong, then I suck at French. But anyway, I'm going to call it Happening, but it is not to be confused with the 2008 film The Happening, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, which was a critical failure, but a commercial hit. Happening is an amazing film that came out uh, overseas in 2021 and just got released here in the United States and Canada and the timing, especially given recent events concerning the Supreme court and Roe v. Wade could not have been better. This is a movie that is actually an adaptation of, uh, Annie Ernaz's novel of the same name. And it is semi autobiographical. Actually, it looks back on her experience with abortion when it was still illegal in France in the 1960s. So a little bit of uh history on the legalization of abortion in France abortion was le- uh, was illegal for literally hundreds of years in france uh it, even as far back as the middle ages and but even in 1939 the penal code in France was altered to be- permit an abortion that would save a pregnant woman's life. So this was the only instance where abortion was actually legal, but it wasn't until 1975 when France made it legal for a woman to receive an abortion until the 10th week of her pregnancy. And then a few years later it was adopted permanently in into law all over France and by 2002 it was estimated that all um i'm getting a little ahead of myself but anyway the, the point is that abor- abortion is legal in France now but it was not illegal, uh, it, was, it was not legal back in the 60s and as this movie demonstrates you could even go to prison for even talking about getting an abortion. It was a different time. But in this film, we follow the exploits of a young woman in secondary school whose name is Anne Duchesne, and she is played by Anna Marie Vartoleme, who is a great actress, and she does really well in this film. And she is impregnated, as she finds out from a doctor's visit, although oddly she tells her doctor that she has never had sex before her doctor gives her the diagnosis that she's pregnant. And because she is in school and she's trying to get into a university, she wants to terminate this pregnancy. And this is something that, well, would rub some people the wrong way, particularly those who are pro-life. But never judge any person until you've walked a mile in their moccasins. And this movie shows some of the things that Anne Duchesne goes through that are self-inflicted as well as some of the assistance she tries in vain to get from doctors to try to terminate her pregnancy in the early stages, in her first trimester. And a lot of these things are very painful. As a matter of fact, regardless of how you feel about abortion... I would imagine that a movie like this would change people's minds who are pro-life because there's been some recent news about a an unofficial Supreme Court decision that has leaked about our current Supreme Court, which is mostly conservative, and their feelings about seriously considering overturning Roe v. Wade, which a lot of people thought would not happen. And if it does happen uh, in this If it does happen, it doesn't make abortion illegal in all 50 states. It does leave it up to the states to decide whether or not they want abortion to be illegal. And there are some states that will outlaw it, including, unfortunately, Tennessee. So... It Again, it's, it's a better alternative than making abortion illegal, but it also complicates the matter because there are women in all 50 states who get unwanted pregnancies for a variety of reasons, not just rape and incest. And it's movies like this that demonstrate that making abortion illegal just makes things worse for women. If they can't go to a doctor's office... With a practitioner who actually knows what he or she is doing, then their alternative is to go into an alley and try to terminate the pregnancy using a coat hanger. And if that, that sounds like an exaggeration, trust me when I say there are people who will do it that way. So regardless of how you feel about abortion, whether or not you're for it or against it, this movie may change your mind a lot more than a, another film that was both a Christian film as well as a, a propaganda film that came out it was called, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember the, the name of the film. It was an American film and it was, it was on something, but Anyway, the tagline of the film was called What She Saw Changed Everything. But I saw the movie, and what I saw changed nothing. But I think it was called Unchosen. But regardless, basically, Happening is a film that is very well acted, and it's not exploitation because it's a movie that has a message that you could extrapolate, but it also has some very, very painful scenes where this this girl, Anne, is trying to terminate the pregnancy herself, and the climax of this film is cringeworthy. It really is. And the movie ends somewhat ambiguously, but I really love this film, and there are it, it, so far it's been critically acclaimed. As a matter of fact, one of the awards that it received is the Golden Lion from the Venice Film Festival. And the Venice Film Festival may not be as auspicious as the uh, Sundance Film Festival or Cannes, but just to give you an idea of who has won the Golden Lion in recent years alone, it's an award that's been given out literally since 1946. But in 2020, Nomadland won the award and that movie won Best Picture. In 2019, Joker won the award and it was nominated 2018, Roma won that award, and Roma should have won the Academy Award for Best Picture, especially over Green Book, but that's not the way it worked. But before that, The Shape of Water won the Golden Lion. So The Happening is joining from some very prestigious films, and not just films made by American or British uh, directors. Those are just the ones that have won in recent years. But Happening is a great film. It's a movie that shows that a, a a world where abortion is legal, excuse me, illegal will not stop abortions from happening. If only if if anything, they will make them worse, especially when a woman takes the matter into her own hands and doesn't know exactly what she's doing when she's putting something into her vagina that she shouldn't be putting in there. And happening for that reason gets my rating of a knockout. It's a film that does not pull any punches when it shows the dangers of performing self-abortions and also really does not hold back when it shows that a, a, a young woman having to deal with an abor- uh, with a with a womb or rather a, a baby in her womb that she doesn't want might make her future a lot more complicated, particularly if she has the baby. And you might think that adoption is a good solution, but first of all, it comes after a lot of pain. And secondly, there are some emotional components to adoption as well. It's it's just not that easy emotionally to give a a child up for adoption. That's not the point of the film because it doesn't go that far, but it will probably change your mind about abortion and the legality of it if you are of a certain mindset about it. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. And now that I've reviewed all the movies I have to review for you for this show, it's now time for me to get in my next segment, which is called What's Coming Up Next. This is a spoken word preview of movies that are subject to be released in theaters and on streaming and or on streaming for the week of May 23rd to May 27th, 2022. The biggest movie that's going to be coming out on May 27th, i.e. Memorial Day weekend, is Top Gun Maverick, which is a movie that was slated to come out in 2020, but it didn't because of COVID, uh, shutting down movie theaters. There were a lot of films that were supposed to come out in 2020, but ultimately did not. So Top Gun Maverick has been on the shelves for about two years, and it comes 30 six years after the original Top Gun. Tom Cruise reprises his role as Pete Maverick Mitchell. And after more than 30 years of service as one of the Navy's top aviators, Maverick is where he belongs, pushing the envelope as a courageous test pilot and dodging the advancement in rank that would ground him. The movie also co-stars Jennifer Connelly, Miles Teller, and Monica Barbaro. Interestingly enough, there are several actors who are in the original uh, Top Gun who are not in this film. And I'm not just talking about characters, no spoilers, that died in the original. I'm talking about one particular actress who is not in Top Gun Maverick, and this is really disappointing. Kelly McGillis, who played Tom Cruise's love interest in the original Top Gun, is not in this film. But, and I don't think Tim Robbins is either, and Tim Robbins didn't have a huge part to play in the original Top Gun, but he was still in it. Interestingly enough, he was in that movie the same year he was in Howard the Duck, but the fact that he was in Howard the Duck and his acting career survived is very impressive. But Val Kilmer actually reprises his role as Tom Iceman Kazanski, and... You also have some other actors in the film. I mentioned Jennifer Connelly and Miles Teller, but Glenn Powell is in the film. John Hamm is in this movie. Ed Harris, who is not in the original. Gina Louise Kelly and several others uh, of note, but I won't get into them too much. I don't know how good a movie Top Gun Maverick is going to be, but I will see it and I'll let you know what I think on next week's show. What I'm saying is I don't have high hopes for it. Another movie that is subject to being released in theaters on May 27th is the Bob's Burgers movie. Now, this movie I'm very much looking forward to. I have not seen, uh, I I haven't seen every single episode of Bob's Burgers, but the the episodes that I have seen uh, were funny without exception. It's a very quirky and deadpan show, but I love it. And anytime it's on my TV, I definitely stop what I'm doing. And I watch it unless I have something really, really important to do. But in the Bob's Burgers movie, the Belcher family tries to save the restu- their restaurant, Bob's Burgers, from closing as a sinkhole forms in front of it, while the kids try to solve a mystery that could save their family's restaurant. So many of the actors who, were, who are voices of the characters in Bob's Burgers reprise their role in this film, including... H. John Benjamin, who plays the um, who plays the patriarch of the family, Bob Belcher. You also have Kristen Schaal playing Louise, Dan Mintz playing Tina, and that actually oh you have John Roberts playing Linda Belcher, who's the matriarch. And there was one more Belcher. Oh yes, Eugene Merman, who plays the only son, Gene. And there are also some other actors who have been in the show before, like Gary Cole, Zach Galifianakis, Aziz Ansari. And this movie I'm very much looking forward to because Bob's Burgers is hilarious. With what little TV I watch, I do manage to watch Bob's Burgers every now and then. And unlike Family Guy and The Simpsons, Bob's Burgers is still pretty funny after being on the air for over a decade but who knows the bobs burgers movie is a movie that i will see and i will li- i will let you know what i think on next week's show Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. And now that I've reviewed, or rather given a spoken word preview of all the movies that are coming out in theaters or subject to be coming out in theaters for the weekend of May 27th, Memorial Day weekend, I'm now going to give you a list of movies that are subject to being released on streaming for the week of May 23rd through May 27th. 2022, and it must be because of Memorial Day, but there are very few original films that are going to be released in, um, on Netflix for that week. The first film is a movie that's called Godspeed and Godspeed is a foreign film and what country it comes from. I'll tell you in just a second. I, I it, it comes from Iran. And it's a movie about an ex-army captain who travels to Dalian to stop his friend's beloved from marrying another man, but grief and trauma from a combat tragedy mar his journey. This is a film that is based on a book written by Hakan Evrensel, and it might be a movie that I see, but I don't exactly know if I will. And I'm not just saying that because I shun all foreign films. Obviously, I don't. But the foreign films that have been on Netflix have been hit or miss for me. But if I do see this movie, I'll let you know what I think on next week's show. There's another film that's coming out of South Korea that's called Larva Pendant. And I actually don't know what this movie is going to entail. It does premiere on Wednesday, May 25th. But the internet is not giving me any information about it. Apparently, *Larva Pendant* is an original TV show from South Korea. But other than that, I don't exactly know what to tell you, so I will move on. Another movie that is going to be released on Netflix in uh, on uh, Thursday, May 27th, is a movie that's called *My Little Pony: Make Your Mark*. And this, unlike the *My Little Pony* movie that came out in. 2017 is oh actually oh my gosh this this website is giving me mixed information apparently my little pony make your mark is a tv series but i'm being told by a certain website that it there's apparently going to be a movie that's going to serve as the pilot for the show and for that reason i don't exactly know if i'm going to see this film but my Little Pony, Make Your Mark, is a CGI animated film, unlike the the film that came out in 2017, which was, it had some CGI elements in it, but it was mainly 2D animation. If it's a pilot for a TV show, maybe I'll see it. I don't exactly know, but I'll just move on from Netflix because it doesn't look like there are many uh, original shows, that, excuse me, original movies that are going to be premiering on the platform this week. And that's okay. Who knows? Maybe I'll just use next week to catch up on several other uh, shows that I, or rather movies that I missed on uh, Netflix. But anyway, moving on. On Friday, May 27th, there are actually going to be a couple of films that will be premiering on Disney+. Plus. And one of them is a Disney Plus original that is a documentary. And the name of the documentary is We Feed People. Now this seems particularly interesting. And I actually did see a news report about this on CBS Sunday Morning. We Feed People is actually directed by Ron Howard and stars Jose Andres. And Jose Andres is a world-renowned chef. But during the pandemic, he has... Uh, actually formed a nonprofit that rebuilds nations in the wake of disaster and provides healthy food to those affected. That is such a great premise, not only for a movie, but for a human being. That it makes me actually cry just thinking about it. My my tears are my eyes are watering uh, from tears of joy from this great man. My God. This is a documentary that I will see. I will definitely see it, and I will let you know what I think on next week's show. Now, it is premiering on Disney+. Plus. I don't think it is um, showing in theaters. It's a collaboration between Disney and National Geographic because I think that Disney owns the distribution rights to National Geographic documentaries. And National Geographic makes... Stellar documentaries. The problem is, the reason I don't review many of them on the show, I've reviewed some, but I don't review each and every one, is because I only have so much time in a day, but rest assured, I will see We Feed People, and damn it, I will let you know what I think on next week's show. The other movies that are uh, appearing on Disney Plus on Friday, May 27th, that are not originals, include Bad Boys... And Bad Boys is an R-rated action film starring Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. And I'm actually kind of surprised that Disney Plus is showing uh, movies that are R-rated on its platform because Disney itself used to be against uh, releasing R-rated movies and and still to this day releases PG-13 movies sparingly. It's only when they bought other movie companies like Touchstone, Hollywood Pictures, and Miramax that they started to release R-rated films through them. And they still have a policy where they will not release NC-17 movies, not even through Miramax or those other movie companies that or movie studios where they can release them but not have the Disney name on them. So... I am very surprised for that reason that Bad Boys is appearing on Disney Plus, but Disney Plus already has a new rule where you have to type in a four-digit PIN to access Disney. I guess that's so parents can monitor what their children are watching, which is good, but at the same time, I feel like Disney should operate another streaming platform, maybe one that's called... Hollywood Plus or Touchstone Plus, where they can distribute those other films that are more for adults. But, I don't know, maybe that's just me. But anyway, Bad Boys is appearing on Disney Plus on Friday, May 27th. There's another movie called D. Wade, Life Unexpected, Hubble's Cosmic Journey, and Mission Pluto. I think that Mission Pluto might be a movie about the dog Pluto, not the mass and space that astronomers don't consider a planet anymore but I don't know but that's all that's going to be premiering on Disney Plus on Friday, May 27th. On HBO Max, I'm actually looking at the movies that are premiering that week, the week of May 23rd to May 27th, 2022, and there actually are no original um oh Scratch that, I'm looking at the wrong place. There's only one film that is appearing for the first time, maybe, but it's not a uh, an HBO original. It's it's a film that's called Navalny, which sounds like a foreign film because I don't know what Navalny means. And I'll see if I have any description about it. Navalny is actually a 2022 movie. But it's not an HBO Max original. It follows the man who survived an assassination attempt by poisoning with a lethal nerve agent in August 2020. During his months-long recovery, he makes shocking discoveries about the attempt on his life and decides to return home. Now this actually sounds like a documentary, but... Oh, actually, it is. It is a documentary. My mistake. It apparently this person was poisoned in 2020 and he comes to a shocking discovery. My apologies for getting this wrong. Um, this is a movie I might see. It might get caught up in a lot of the films that I might not have time to review for you for this show, but, uh, it certainly looks like a very interesting concept. The, website I was looking at didn't tell me that this was a documentary, but it's the only original movie that will be premiering for the week of May 23rd through May 27th, 2022. So I'm going to put it on my list, but I'm not necessarily going to review it for you on next week's show. But if I see it, I'll review it. On Hulu for the week of May 23rd through May 27th, there is one Hulu original and another film that is not a Hulu original. I'll start with uh, the documentary. It's called Look at Me, Extensacion. And Extensacion is spelled X X X T N T A C I O N. I am very intrigued about the title of this uh, documentary. I would imagine, or rather this movie... I would imagine it's a documentary, and lo and behold, it is. It is an inside look at a gifted young rapper's tumultuous coming of age with never-before-seen footage as Extension's inner circle speaks out for the first time. Now, this makes me feel so old because I have no idea who Extension is. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce this rapper's name. But apparently, this rapper has 1.3 billion views on YouTube. So Generation Z, make fun of me all you want. I have no idea who this rapper is, but I'd be willing to see the documentary just to see if it holds up for somebody who is not particularly familiar with modern day music. Yeah, I know a ton about movies. You ask me about movies that are out in theaters right now. Chances are, if I haven't seen it, I at least heard about it. So I'm well-versed on movies, and I'm kind of um, on the times when it comes to TV shows as well. Although there are new TV shows coming out and streaming all the time. It's very hard to keep up. I think it's even hard for a TV critic to come up with this kind of thing. But video games and music is where I fall completely behind. I am just... When I go on YouTube, I usually look up songs that I know and that I can stream as I'm working, for example, but the extent of what I watch on YouTube is generally either the late show with Stephen Colbert. I never miss a monologue from Stephen Colbert. He is the most brilliant monologue talk show host, possibly in TV history, but definitely for our times, but I also watch The Nostalgia Critic, um, Todd in the Shadows, and a couple of other people on, on YouTube, but when it comes to the biggest craze of Generation Z, somebody who has literally billions of views on YouTube and can sell out stadiums, I don't know. So Extensione is a rapper. I don't know him. Again, feel free to throw whatever you want at me, Generation Z. I just don't know this guy, but... I'll check out his documentary if I get the chance. And if I see it, I'll let you know what I think on next week's show. Another movie that is um, going to appear on Hulu, which is not a Hulu original, is a film that's called A Taste of Hunger. And this sounds like a documentary, but the the internet is telling me that it is not. It is actually a 2021 dramatic film and it is about a couple who sacrifice everything to achieve the highest possible accolade in the culinary world. Get this, a Michelin star. Yeah, and actually the Michelin star is, is a big thing, but holy cow. I'm very curious to see where this movie is going. And it's directed by uh, Christopher, and I, I did actually pronounce the name correct, Christopher, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-F-F-E-R, which looks like Christ offer Bo and uh, Christopher Bo is a Danish director. And he's relatively, he's relatively young. He's 48 years old. And this movie has nobody that I know except for Nikolai Koster Waldo, who is another Danish actor who has been in game of Thrones. That's probably where I know him best. He was in a Tom Cruise movie called Oblivion. He was in Gods of Egypt, which is a movie that I absolutely hated that came out back in 2016. Uh, and the subject of the film uh, seems particularly original and interesting. I don't exactly know if I'm going to see this Hulu film, but if I do, I'll let you know what I think on next week's show. And then there's Paramount Plus. Now, Paramount Plus is actually gotten some interesting, not just movies, but also limited series. And there's one limited series that I'm actually watching right now that's called The Offer. And even though I don't review TV shows on Words on Film, mini series, particularly limited miniseries, are actually fair game. But I am hooked on The Offer. It's basically about the formation of the film The Godfather. And Matthew Good plays the part of the main um, head of Paramount Pictures, Robert Evans. He plays him so well. I think Matthew Good is one of the good method actors, but I've seen Matthew Good kind of bad, no pun intended, in other films like Watchmen, but he's very good as Robert Evans. But anyway, I don't know if I'm going to review that for you in the future, but I'm not necessarily against it either. Well, that's all the time I have for this episode of Words on Film. I always love talking about movies, and I hope you liked what you heard. If you did, please subscribe and rate the show and leave comments if you can. I would love to get your feedback, even if it's more criticism than praise. This has been Words on Film. I'm Dan Burke, and until my next episode, I'll see you at the movies.